I'm on a mission. A mission to speak with the most inspiring people from all over the world. I want to know their stories. I want to know what stories they used to tell. And are those the same stories that they're telling today? Or did they redefine that story to overcome limiting beliefs and achieve their dreams? I want to help them share their stories. Why? Because I know the power of the story. I know that it can make or break you. It can give you the world or it can tear it apart. There's always two sides going down in your head and you get to choose. Will I listen to the one that's trying to stop me or the one that keeps pushing? These are their stories and this is the stories we tell. What's up guys, it's your host Jamie Messina and we have an awesome episode for you today. One of my most favorite human beings on earth Mitch Newman is joining us, but first, if you haven't hit that subscribe button yet, go ahead and do that. And and if you find anything in today's episode valuable, if you find connected to it in some way, shape, or form, um, please go ahead and leave us a review. That's going to help me reach my goal of reaching a million people worldwide, spreading a, a million person ripple of positivity, high vibes, inspiration, all the things. Um, greatly appreciate that. But today's episode is a good one. We have Mitch Newman. He is a spiritual psychologist. He also hosts the podcast Monday's a Mitch, which I highly recommend that you check out. Um, he has this uh, meditation group Monday, Wednesday, Friday called Manifest Mastery, which I absolutely love. And I hope you join us. And Above all, above all that, he is a really great friend to me, um, a mentor, and I really value every word that comes out of his mouth, and I am super grateful that I get to share him with all of you today. So I hope you enjoy. All right, so I have one of my favorite human beings in the entire world here with me. Um, I want to call you Wizard Mitch Newman, but I don't know, like doctor, professor, what do we call you? Uh, wizard's fine. Wizard, all right. So... Um, <laughs> Guys, I'm really excited to have him on today because I do consider, first of all, Mitch a really good friend. Second of all, just super grateful that um, he came into my life because his energy and the way that you hold yourself and, and what you teach and share is something that I align with oh, like 100%. And I was like, ah, my people. So um, I was like, what better way is to bring my people to my other people on the podcast? So um, welcome and thank you for joining us. Your, your people to your person. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um so well, you thanks for having me i appreciate that i i'm i'm always uh i'm always honored when people ask me to do things like this because uh i think it, it's a recognition that there's a, a larger message that needs to be shared that people need to hear and do with it what they might or might not but the uh the willingness to just get it out there and share it. I think it's just for consideration. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. We'll go from there. <laughs> well, you and I had a conversation one day and you yeah. asked me, you know, what is my vision? What is my goal? And at the time I, I wasn't quite sure, but I was like, I want to reach a million people, but I didn't know what I wanted to reach a million people with, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? But I knew I wanted to do something. And so um, over the past, like, several months, I'm like, yeah, no, I want to make a million person ripples. Maybe I don't personally reach them, but, or maybe it's larger at least of just, um, positive vibes, high vibes, high energies to where, like, if somebody just feels that for a second and then they take it in and then they get to spread it to somebody else, because there is so much negativity going on right now that, um, I'm like, I want to be a warrior on the other side and be like, Hey, no, we have this positivity too. And these high vibes. And, um, it just depends on where your mind's at, I guess. Well, you know, it's interesting because I, 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 I feel like there's a lot of unresolved grief and loss and that's getting exposed right now. And I, I don't, for me, I don't necessarily, I think it's easy on the surface to look at it as negativity. I look at it as an opportunity. Hmm. I look at it as unresolved grief, unresolved loss, um, uh, old beliefs kicking in. Um, just opportunities for growth and healing that people can either continue to avoid or go, Hey, wait a second. There's a pattern here. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. This is separate. This is a pandemic. This is this, this is that. No, 
there's a pattern here. The story may change. The mm -hmm. people, the people's names may change. The experience may change, but the end result is the same is I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling lonely. I'm feeling disconnected. I'm feeling unworthy. I'm feeling undeserving. And if we can get to those themes and kind of see the, the, the subtext versus the text of what people are able to attach to, it's to look below the surface and go, oh, there's something up for growth and healing, which is, I think, why we're in such a decline right now, uh, because things need to break down before we can build back up, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I love how you put that. Um, cause that was one of my, is one of my visions is to kind of bridge the gap between, because when people are hurting and all those things, like they don't necessarily say, okay, let's, how do we heal and come together? They're just so focused on what they're going through. Being right. Their side. <laughs> yes, exactly. So how do we bridge this gap? Because it's never going to come together if we don't bridge it some way. And, um, so yeah, that's why that's why you're here because you just worded it exactly like you did. <laughs> uh -oh. Well, listen, nothing changes. I, I learned this a long time ago when I first started coaching. I was working with somebody and we were having all these great breakthroughs and all these really cool things were happening, and all of a sudden it just came to a stop, right? And I was like, oh my god, what am I missing here? And I was checking in, all that, and then I started turning on myself. I must not be a good coach. I must not. And all of a sudden, it suddenly dawned on me that 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 as a coach, and I'm sure you can relate to this, we're only as effective coaching somebody as someone is willing to be coached. Mm -hmm. If they're not willing to look at something or they see something completely different and they're not open to seeing what it is that you're seeing, then there's no really coaching relationship. Uh, so once you understand that not everybody, the, the goal from my perspective is how to build a bigger net to catch more people who want to get caught. Yeah. Knowing that not everybody wants to get caught. Some people rather be right. Yeah. I love you said this uh, uh, quite a few times on the stage before. So do you want to be right or do you want to be married when you're talking about couples? <laughs> I, I well, think do, do you, yeah, it's it's someone once said that to me and shared that with me. And and the 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 righteousness, I think that I was talking the, this the other day with my wife because um Sometimes people get confused about what to say, what not to say. They don't know the crowd or the person they're speaking to. They don't know what they believe or don't believe. And so you naturally want to share what it is, not necessarily that you believe, but, but your behavior or your actions when you're telling a story will be an indication of what you believe, right? And then you go, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. It's like, well, no, like we all have to be willing to listen to each other, regardless of whether or not we like or agree with what the other person is saying. The biggest challenge that I have is that defensive posture of, of righteousness. Of when people, they talk about something with such great certainty and righteousness that it's almost like they're talking down to you. Like, I know something that you don't know. I'm more enlightened than you are. And when that starts to happen, I've, to me, I went, I've just developed one question that I always then come out with when the, the conversation starts to go down that path, or I feel like I'm being baited to say something, you know, or to get into it with somebody. I just go, take a deep breath and I go, so what else is going on? <laughs> and we just get off the topic. <laughs> yes. But it is, it's, it's, it's the, it's the absolute certainty and righteousness with with anything that people are. And, and what I've learned over the years that when you have that level, that it literally, it crosses the line into arrogance, it's masking something unresolved inside of that person. And they're clearly not willing to look at it based on the posture. So it's easier at that point just to say, so what else is going on? Yeah. And I'm sure maybe they feel relieved too. <laughs> Deep down. Or not, because they sometimes they'll keep coming. They'll keep trying to find ways. To, you know, I always say that that um, when someone is looking to be right about something, and this happens a lot in in, in coupledom relationships, <laughs> um, people will go as far as to make something up if they're trying to bait somebody, if they're trying to trigger somebody, if they're trying to get somebody's goat. And so sometimes people will still come at it, and if if they still keep coming at it. Then I just get off the phone or I, you know, I stop texting or get off the Zoom. Like I'm not, I'm not interested in going there. Like 
there's nothing that will come from that. Because when you take the bait, when you uh, are triggered by someone else, what it says to their subconscious mind is that they're right. Mm -hmm. Because if you're in the knowing and you're calm and peaceful and you're responding to it, there's nothing they can do with that. But as soon as you jump down their throat or jump back at them or go at them, the subconscious mind goes, see, we're right. Mitch isn't what he said he was, or I'm, this proves that I'm right, whatever that is. And, you know, it's a different kind of relationship. And you, I'm sure you can relate to this as a coach, when somebody is able to self-identify a, a challenge or a pattern in their lives, and they come to you and say, I'm noticing that I have very strong opinions about something. Yes. And I'm noticing that I can get pretty arrogant with people and pretty righteous with people when I want to make my point. And I'm noticing that's like a pattern in my life. Now you go, oh, I love this client. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have material to work with. <laughs> we have history to resolve. Yeah. Um, so I love where you're going, like where we were just that conversation and also your hat, because <laughs> one of um, this these are the thoughts that are going through my head. The first mm -hmm. book that ever kind of opened up my spiritual journey, I was 24 and I read um, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. And I was like, I really loved that book. And it was interesting because I didn't love to read. And that wasn't an easy, necessarily easy book to read. But my dad gave it to me and I found myself sure. on the beach and I read it and I got really into it. And I didn't know it at the time, but that kind of opened the door to a more spiritual journey and the path that I'm on. And yeah. I really got fixated on the part where you know, we're in an evolution of consciousness. And if we don't evolve, then we're really going to self implode. And now I look around, I'm like, whoa, I think that's what the book, this is what the book was talking about. And yeah. is it our, I don't even know if job is the right, but I feel like maybe somewhat of my purpose and maybe yours, I don't know, let me know, um, to really connect people and open their eyes and try to help them bridge that gap to up, you know, up their consciousness game so that we don't implode. Um, as a society? Well, it, it, it goes back to what I was saying. If people are open to receiving the message or they're open to going, God, there's some patterns here. I want to, I'm realizing I'm, I've been so narrow focused in my thoughts and my beliefs. I need to expand and start to look at, because if we're ever going to come back together again, and we will, but the timing of it is much reliant on as things are still needing to break down, which they're still needing to break down. We're not there yet from my perspective. And as more people are willing to look at themselves in the process of it and at least entertain and engage in dialogue, that's when we have some place to go with all of this. Yeah. When people aren't willing to do it, I, I don't, my response to a lot of times when people will challenge me on something and we'll get into a conversation about something. And I love that because we're just sharing opposing point of views. But when someone is at a point where they're convinced of the opposite is true to whatever I'm saying, at a certain point, I just go, okay. <laughs> and then there's like, like real the silence is so loud. You can hear it kind of thing. Right. Because I just cut it off because it's like, okay, I, I'm not as a coach. It's not our responsibility as a light worker uh, as a mentor, as a leader, whatever names we can attach to the different components of what we do. Uh, it's not our responsibility to run around trying to change people's sensibilities, to change people's beliefs. That's not the work. The work is someone comes and says, listen, here's where I'm at. There's a pattern to all this. When I look around the common denominator and all of the mess that I've made is me. So there's got to be something about me that I need to work with. Can you support that? Now we have material. Now we have history to work with. But if someone is, I've had people say to me, well, you know, I hear you say this expression all the time and I just don't agree with it. it just doesn't make any sense to me. Can you explain it? I go, okay, well, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take another shot at that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll take a very few, few short minutes to, to re-explain it. And maybe I've enlightened myself over time and it's evolved and I'll maybe have shifted something to maybe support the person. They go, yeah, no, 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 
yeah, that just, just, sorry. Like, I love you, Mitch, but I, and I go, okay. So it's really about the greatest, the greatest opportunity is, is instead of trying to convince people of something that we may see so clearly that they don't see, or they're not unwilling to see, we have to go, you know what, I'm just going, I'm, I'm choosing just as I want people to allow me the dignity and process of my experience. I therefore allow you the dignity and, pro dignity and process of your experience, whether we ever meet halfway or you come over to my side or I move closer to you or we always will disagree. I don't know. But there's too many people out there who are waking up at a different level within themselves and uh, able to identify that there's something, there's some component of self that's, that's missing or the patterns are really, or you know what it is? They're just so physically, mentally, and emotionally exhausted mm -hmm. that they allow themselves something that they very rarely ever did, which is vulnerability. And they like show up at your doorstep and by doorstep, I mean your text message or your phone or whatever that is. And they're going, something's up, like I need some support. And now there's an opening and how far they're willing to go. It's different for everybody. And you take people as far as they're willing to go and you, and they all of a sudden you maybe get a little pushback or you get a little like, this is as far as I can go. At least you're able to identify this is as far as they can go right now. And you go, great. Awesome. That's their journey. I respect it. I honor it. And then you move on. But the people who spend a lot of time, as you've heard me talk about before, falling in love with people's potential, like yeah. you see, I see this, if you could just see this. And I always say, when you fall in love with somebody's potential, you're, you're revealing parts of yourself that doubt your own potential. Like, why do you have to work so hard? Yeah, that one always hits me. <laughs> um, all right, so let's take a little pivot for a minute. The, sure. the, the um, podcast name is The Stories We Tell. And the idea is that uh, I want to interview people, and I am interviewing mm -hmm. people, that yep. maybe have overcome a story that they used to tell themselves, and now they get to retell that story to inspire others who might be telling themselves a similar story. Now, I don't know anything other than you are the wizard. Now, was there ever a story that you told yourself in the past that kind of you had to break through to get to where you are today? Uh, yes, uh, uh, I probably would say <laughs> several bookloads <laughs> of chapters of stories because it's all story. Right. So it's all story. So I used to perceive myself because I, I, I never uh, thrived academically. Mm -hmm. uh, so I viewed myself as academically, well, I can say it now, academically challenged, but at the time I would think I was stupid. Like I didn't learn like other people learned. And I would sit there and wonder how people are picking up on what the teacher just said or how they were able to score, you know, such great results on their tests. And so there was a strong story that I was telling myself that I'm not stupid. And then there was a time when I first uh, moved to L.A. Uh, in my mid 20s and I thought about going back to school to become a therapist and started to look into it and then all of a sudden the fear came up because it's like no that's school like Mitch you're going to out yourself I did the same thing I, I, if you go back even further when I graduated college I applied to law school thinking I would go to law school and then I backed out of it with a story I was telling myself that I didn't want to go to this particular city the school wasn't yet accredited but the truth is I was scared out of my freaking mind that I wasn't going to make it because I wasn't smart enough. So I would say that was a pretty uh, large theme that traveled with me in my early 20s and all the way to 39. Yeah, 39, 40, when I decided to, with my wife to go back to school and get my master's in spiritual psychology, but I wasn't, I didn't decide yet. I wanted to go to the open house. I was going through the motions, right? Cause my wife really, she, my girlfriend at the time, she wanted me to, if we're going to stay together, I want to know that we're moving down the same path. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> I'll go to the open house. Mm -hmm. And in the open house for the first time at 39, 40, I realized that 
there was other ways to learn something that I realized in the process of that, that I was an experiential learner, that I needed to experience something and then I can go back and read about it. But if I just read about it or I just hear it from an auditory standpoint, I don't always get it. And that was where my challenge was because this program was an experiential program. So I was a, let's go uh, and say I was a C student in college. (laughs) (laughs) putting it mildly. And my wife was an A student in college. We went through this program together and because it was an experiential program, I shined. I actually graduated with honors. Yes. Like with honors, my wife was hysterically crying. We were, you know, we joke about it now, but at the time she, she couldn't believe, you know, even though she did really, really well, like she knew where I was coming from, but, but it took me that long to go through all of the experiences of my life to realize that I was an experiential learner and then I was able to excel. And so now when I go to learn something, I need to experience it first. I know me now. Yeah. If something arrives in the mail that needs to be built, generally not a good sign. <laughs> it's a desk, but it's in a, it's in a flat envelope. I don't understand. Like, I'm, but what I'll do is I'll initially get a little anxious, right? Cause it's like, Oh, I got to read the instructions. No, I'll go watch the video. Cause there's always a video somewhere. Right. And I'll experience it and I'll see it. And then I can go back and have, so that was a one that dogged me for a really long time, a couple decades. I mean, it was pretty intense. Um, and I needed to go through whatever I needed to go through to get to that place. And then the undeserving unworthiness factor was also as a result of that, because others were succeeding at a higher level. My, boyhood friends, my college friends were moving further along in, in marriage and having kids and success in business. And I was still trying to find Mitch. And so the easiest out was there must be something wrong with me. I must not be deserving of something. So it wasn't until I had gone back to school and started really figuring out the experiential learner part that I was able to address those two issues uh, to the extent where I was able to then excel in different areas of my life because the story I told myself was old and tired and done. Yes. And now I, I've never heard that story before. Number one, I, I always knew I loved you, but I connect with you on such a high level when it comes to that, because I probably am a experiential learner as well. Uh, things were delivered for me to, to build. And I was like, I do them wrong because I just want to do it, you know? Um, And yeah, I've had the same thoughts. And also 39, like, I'm like, oh man, everybody's getting married and having kids. Like what's wrong with me? And then I'll have a conversation with Mitch and my, it will shift. But just that little pivot of thinking of, okay, I'm dumb or no, I'm an experiential learner and look at the difference there. That's, um, that's pretty awesome. Uh, Yeah. So I have a question about spiritual psychology. Like, I don't know that I've ever heard that as a major or anything until I met you, can you just like go a little further into what that is? Well, it was a master's program um, uh, in spiritual psychology. And it was, it's spiritual psychology is really the study and practice of conscious awareness. Hmm. So it allows us to be able to look on the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual levels uh, to see that those four components are, if you imagine, um, and this is my own analogy, but if you imagine that, that those four components were spokes on a wheel, and in order for the wheel to turn effectively, this, all the spokes need to be engaged. So it's the ability to, to be present physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, to be able to create and move the wheel in the direction that you want to go. With the understanding and with the knowledge that the growth and the journey is from time to time, one more of those spokes will be compromised. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> then, yeah. Right. Uh, that you believe is true, or I should say your body believes is true. And your body starts reacting as if it's true and your mind just follows suit. And so it, it, the, the perfect example, I think that most people can understand without getting too deep into it is Many people experience when they don't feel well physically, 
they tend to notice that the, the mental thoughts that they have and the emotions that they're feeling are not necessarily uplifting. <laughs> yes. So when one spoke is bent or compromised, which is the physical, it tends to put pressure on the mental and emotional and spiritual levels. And so it allows us to see where that gap is. So when people start to understand the connection between those four levels and how we can see that we're, we're souls having a human experience versus humans having a soulful experience, we start to understand that, okay, in this physical form, in this human body, uh, these are the components, these are the four components that I have to work with. And then it becomes a question of, of, am I being present and aware as things come up? Am I seeing the triggers in my life as confirmation that there's something wrong with me? Or am I seeing the triggers as an opportunity for growth and healing? Mm. Yeah. We've been talking a lot about triggers in um, my Facebook group this past week and just becoming more aware of our own triggers. Um, you know, when it comes to triggers, somebody asked me this question earlier, and I know what my answer was, but they said, can you ever fully get rid of your triggers? Um, what, do you, what would you say to that? Well, number one, I love triggers. <laughs> love them. Like if there's a favorite, if I had a favorite food on the mental and emotional side, it would be triggers. Uh-huh. If that even possibly exists. Why do, why do I believe that? I learned this, I learned this through the spiritual psychology program that I was in. And this was something that the academic president had shared. And he waited until the last day of the last moment of a two-year program. <laughs> and he hearkened back to what he said to us in the beginning. He said, do you remember when we sat down and we talked about this, even going back to the information evening, said, you know, um, what would it be like to heal something once and for all? And everybody was like, yes. Oh man, I am so excited like that. And I'm like, as soon as he said that, I went, oh my God, all I could see was like a car ad in a magazine with zero down, zero drive off. And, yes. a asterisk. <laughs> and then you follow the asterisk down in the little print. It says you have to give away your kid and your dog and your <laughs> yeah. cat, you know, like the, so here was the fine print. Here was the asterisk. I'm like, remember when we said in the beginning <laughs> and I'm like, I literally went, oh my God, no. He said, cause here's how it works. When you heal something once and for all, and you choose a path of consciousness, what you create is space for something else to come in and be healed. Like the work isn't done mm -hmm. while you're in this human suit. It's never done. And so in the understanding of that, the first part was, oh, damn, right? I thought I was, I thought I was done. Right. But it was like, no, like when you really start to understand and grasp that, you go, wow, like this is so cool because I'm able to move something out of the way and now I know whatever comes in is a sign and an indication that it's ready for growth and healing, provided I am. Provided I don't have a, a story attached to it and say something like, yeah, well, that call from Jamie, you know, who does Jamie think she is? You know, blah, 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 blah. I've worked with her. Instead of going, oh, wow, that really phone call really triggered something inside of me. Thank you, Jamie, for being my teacher and a gift in my life because you've moved something to the surface that's, if I'm ready to, to be able to address and heal, knowing that once I do that, it creates space for something else. Okay, next. <laughs> like that's how it works, right? Yeah. But here's the one caveat. I, through my growth and healing over time, I believe that in many situations, there's always a deeper cut. So we don't want to allow our ego to slip in and think, ah, oh, I got that, that whole money thing. I got that done. You know, I got that handled because I always find that there's in many situations, there's a deeper cut. Meaning there's now that you would able to absorb that. Now let's go a little bit deeper. Mm. And then you think you, you're through with that and you feel complete around that. You may find six months, a year, five years, 10 years down the road that scenario comes back because there's something deeper that's ready because you're ready to look at it. So when people used to say to me, when I 
was practicing full on as a coach, right? They used to say things like, you get triggered. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, every day. And I said, here's how you know that you're growing. Here's how you know that you're transforming. This is the only way that I've ever figured out for myself and watching other people go through the process. So I'm a student of everything that I teach. I, I've, I put my hand on the hot stove before I explain to you why you don't have to, right? Yes. <laughs> I may have done it five times. So I really want you to hear me, right? <laughs> but you may still need to put your hand on the hot stove and that's okay. But here's what I've learned. Healing and growth and transformation happens when you find that you're triggered less often. And when you are triggered, it's for a shorter duration of time. So the thing that really would normally take you out, like maybe you're in bed for three days, you can't move because the relationship ended, blah, blah, blah. You're down to one day. Whoa, that's great. So when people say to me, how is that great? <laughs> like, well, it used to be three days. You're, you're going in a good direction from my perspective. So that to me is, is, is consciousness is not a destination and transformation is not a straight line. So there's no, I've arrived. That's the ego wants to believe that. It just means that you're open and present to whatever growth and healing is available to you as it comes forward. And it's going to come forward through triggers. And sometimes you're going to realize that you're still triggered by something five years later that still needs to be healed. And all of a sudden you're going to go, God, in the past, I used to, this used to take me out of my whole day. And now it's like in 40 minutes, I was back. Yeah. That's what I look for when I work with somebody. That's what I want to support because that's what happens to me. And I've been doing this for 20 plus years. Yeah. At, you know, when I came to the realization that there is no destination, that it's just a process, it's a growth process, it's a journey. And hey, let's enjoy even the sad part. Because, you know, I'll call Mitch, I'll be sad or something. And um, not when I say enjoy, I'm not happy about it. But yeah. I'm not like, this shouldn't be happening. I'm like, okay, how can I lean in further? It it was like a weight was lifted off of my shoulders that like, okay, I'm not supposed to be right here. I'm just supposed to be taking in this journey and learning as I go and getting a little bit better each time. Like, yeah, it was the best feel. It's I think about it often now and try to share that with other people who are open, <laughs> but, and, and remind myself often too. Yeah. Triggers are a gift, you know, the, the, and here's the cool part also about them is sometimes you'll get to a place where you'll, somebody will say something to you or say something in a way or use a word that in the past would really annoy you or bother you that, that the word would trigger you. Right. And all of a sudden they say it and you don't have a reaction to it. You're just neutral to it or you're responsive to whatever it is that they're saying. And then all of a sudden you go, wow, that was kind of cool. Like in the past, that would have really set me off and I was good with it. Like, because you start to understand that, that, it's all our, it, it, and you've heard me say this a thousand times, probably more, and I'll continue to say it. Anything that upsets me is about me. I learned that from my spiritual teachers in my program. Anything that upsets me is about me. So if I understand that and truly trust and believe in that, and I've been able to, as a result of that, heal many aspects of my life and continue to do so, well, then I know it works and it makes sense to me that I'm not excusing behavior the other person's behavior, I'm not excusing that. I'm not making excuses for them or letting them off the hook. But I have to first look at the trigger, the trigger that will indicate that uh, there's an emotion that's present, powerful emotion that's present, and a need that I have that isn't being met. Yeah. And I so that's my work. That's not your work. That's my work. Then I can come back to you and say, and I can have a conversation with you, not a confrontation. Mm -hmm. And I can say, hey, are you open to talking about what, what we talked about earlier? Because I realized it triggered me and I had to do some work for myself around it, which is really cool. But I still want to talk to you about the experience. Are you open? And you say yes, hopefully, not necessarily. Now we can have a conversation about the place and I can maybe set some boundaries about what's okay and what's not okay in a way that doesn't re-trigger you because I'm not like, right. Right. Um, I love when you say that, too. And I again, I use it often just to remind myself 
because in the past I would also, if somebody was upset about something that I'm like, wait, what, why are you upset? Like I didn't, I would take that on. Right. And, oh, I did something wrong. It has to be something I did. And so not only when I get triggered up, okay, what upsets me is about me, but if somebody else's trigger is going off, instead of me automatically thinking it's my fault, I'm like, okay, what's whatever's upsetting them is about them too. And I can take a step back and be okay. Cause I know I came from a good place of good intention or, and when they're ready to talk about it, we can. Well, and that's the thing when they're ready to talk about it, like if they're, they're triggered, I've, I've seen people uh, weaponize that statement as a defensive tool to kind of shame somebody. Mm. So you get, let's say you get mad at me about something. And instead of allowing you the dignity of your process and experience, I go, well, and I use the you language. If it upsets you, it's about you. Hmm. And that only infuriates you even more and creates more of a wall and a divide between us. Cause now I've weaponized what really is a statement of ownership hmm. that all of a sudden gets turned into, you know, it, it turned in a way that allows someone to not be present and be in their own ownership around allowing somebody to have the experience. There's no empathy in that statement. <laughs> right. Yeah. But at least taking the, um, I guess the, I keep going, this is probably an ego thing. I keep, cause for a long time blame, I would always blame, I had this blame, you know? And so that statement for me, like it's not using it against them, but like, okay, it's not you, don't worry. Like they're going through their things and you know, either you work it out or you don't, but, um, it's, it's okay. <laughs> I guess everything's okay. It's all unfolding perfectly. Well, it is. And I, and I, I genuinely believe that and not, not always, um, I call them suck. So good moments. Uh, sometimes it's just, it's painful as it's being worked out. It hurts. Uh, it stirs a lot, uh, could be sadness or frustration or, or anger or disappointment. Um, I've just learned that over time that we all individually carry enough with us, our stories, our beliefs, they're stored in our bodies. Uh, I don't really need the extra weight of carrying yours too. <laughs> I love the story in the power or a new earth where, you know, the monk, there's a monk, two monks are walking in the desert or something and they come across a puddle and they're not supposed to talk to anybody, but there's this old woman trying to cross the puddle and they're not even supposed to look at her. But one of the monks picks her up, walks her across the puddle, puts her down, keeps walking. And then three miles later, the other monk's like, why did you pick her up? And he's like, I put her down miles ago. Why are you still carrying her? And I love that. I always say that in my head. I'm like, put it down. I don't need anybody else's stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, it's true. Very true. So... I don't want to take up too much of your time, but there's a question that I like to ask towards the end of an interview where, mm -hmm. you know, I've been in, I, first of all, I think everyone should have a therapist. We don't, whatever, but I've had therapy for a long time. And my, my therapist would often say, okay, when I would, something would be triggered. She said, what, what age is that? And for some reason, nine always came up. It was always nine. So when you think of your childhood self, is there a certain age that comes up for you? Hmm. I think it really depends on the story hmm. that I'm running. So maybe we'll go with nine. <laughs> if sometimes, you sometimes, sometimes it's nine. I've had certain things that happened to me at that age that were um, super challenging. Yeah. And I can see how that can, can trigger a sense of helplessness. Um, so if I'm running something that, that feels like I'm helpless and I can't seem to grasp onto uh, the present moment for whatever reason, because something is up for growth and healing. Um, it could be nine, you know, it could be, you know, that there's stuff that it was in my teenage years or stuff that happened. Uh, and then there's stuff that, that, that it happened a lot earlier. And I think one of the challenges that a lot of times that I had over the years of coaching people is, is it's just, Overall, it's just important to know that that when you're reacting, it is your younger self. Mm. If you have a sense or an understanding of what happened and what triggered that, like because when I was nine, this happened, great. If you don't, 
great too. Um, people will hold themselves back because they, they think that they have to remember what transpired in order to heal something. And that's bullshit. Yeah. That's, that's a form of sabotage. That's how we hold ourselves back and sabotage our growth and go, well, you know, I just can't quite figure out why I do this. Well, and I heard this once at a lecture that I went to and it went, and, you know, sometimes you hear things and it just goes, it just, you feel it in every pore of your body. Like everything just goes relaxed. And I heard somebody say this and it really resonated deeply with me. And I share it often when these types of things come up because people go, God, if I could just remember why. And I go, so if you can't, that means your life is going to suck. Like, is that what it means? And I, and I, and I'll reference this back and I'll say, can you understand how a person, and I'll use the specific example that they're going through. Can you understand how a person could have that experience, have that feeling, have those thoughts? Can you make sense of how that could be present for somebody? And they go, yes. And I go, that's all you need to know. Yeah. Now we can move forward. <laughs> that is very freeing, understanding that you don't have to know what happened to move forward and that you don't have to go back and fix whatever. Um, can you make sense of it? If you can make sense of it and go, yeah, I could understand, given a certain set of circumstances, how, how I could have behaved that way or said that or reacted that way. And I could see how that has happened with other people. And now that I really think about it, I can see multiple situations in my life where other people have behaved that way. Yes, I can. That makes sense to me. I can understand that. Great. Now let's move forward. Yes. So if you could go back and talk to your childhood self, whatever age that is, and mm -hmm. give them kind of just a short advice of, you know, what would you say? Nothing. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I would say absolutely nothing. You know, I've, I've had that question posed to me before. I, I've seen people answer it. And some of the things are like, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, that sounds great. Listen, nobody escapes stuff. It's part of, from a spiritual psychology standpoint, the, the belief is, is that we come into this lifetime with a spiritual contract of things to work on. Mm -hmm. And we choose our parents. And as a result, we go through the experiences we go through and get what we get when we get it, not a second before to ultimately get to that place of being able to heal something so that we can then take what we thought was our deficit and turn it into a superpower. I sit here and have this conversation with you. I don't regret anything. And one time I remember a buddy of mine, hadn't seen him in a number of years. And I had met him through a woman that I was dating and it was, it was an incredibly toxic relationship and we had become friends. And then kind of after the relationship ended, we kind of just slowly drifted over time, occasionally speak through social media, whatever, but we hadn't seen him, you know? And we literally, when I say literally like bumped into each other on a street corner, we were on a street corner waiting for the light to change. And we looked and saw each other hmm. So the light changed and we still talked, you know, we started talking and he said, um, we're just talking about what's going on this and that. Cause he knew I got married, I had kids, you know, all the stuff. And I knew he was, had been dating this girl, you know, we were just chatting. And then there was this pregnant, awkward pause. And he goes, I bet you must regret meeting. And he mentioned the girl's name. And I go, Oh my God, not at all. I said, don't get me wrong. You saw what was going on. I mean, it was the incredibly most challenging time, but you know what? If I didn't go through that, I wouldn't be walking across the street to my home, to my wife, to my kids. Like you change one thing, you change everything. So it's a nice thought to go, well, if you could say something, what would you say? But you know what? The journey that I went on and my own divine timing and despite the fact that some people got things and understood things sooner rather than longer. That's my journey. That's the journey that I, that I came in on. That's my spiritual contract to work through. So, and every once in a while, Hollywood will do one of those types of movies 
It's usually, it's usually sometimes every like 10 years or 20 years or 15 years, all of a sudden there'll be like some middle-aged couple or, you know, midlife crisis couple or turning 40 couple. And all of a sudden the person is just unhappy in their lives and their relationship with their kids and a relationship with their spouse. And then they remember back in high school of an incident that happened. Right. And they go, Oh God, you know, that was it. Everything changed when I dropped the ball in the end zone, (laughs) you know, like, like, and all of a sudden they, they like go to bed and they wake up and they're in their high school body and they're back in high school and they're like, what's going on? And then they realize, Oh, I get to go back and do it differently. Mm. And the movies is always interesting, but it always comes back to the same point. If you catch the ball in the end zone, the people that you love now and that love you won't be there. I can, it's easy for me to say, gosh, you know, I, I wish I was ready to have met my wife sooner you know, that I would be able to uh, chronologically live longer, you know, by having kids that I'm almost growing up with at the same time. That was, that's not my journey. So if I did that and I wish for that, that means that, and my daughter even one time said that to me in the car, you know, she asked me about, you know, something regret, regret, something miss meeting mommy sooner or, you know, no, because then I wouldn't have you. And she was like stunned. Like, it didn't dawn on her that everything then changes. Right. Yeah, you change. You change one thing, you change everything. And it's the same reason that there's a movie back in the '70s with Bill Murray called Groundhog Day, where he wakes up every day and he's a reporter, and every day is the same day. Yeah. And he's like trapped in the same day every single day, and then all of a sudden one day he just does one thing differently, and then it changes. So you have to be, uh, from my perspective, you have to be aware of that. So when people say, well, what would you do differently? Like nothing. I, I, I can't like the joy that I feel now, even just being present here with you to have this level of conversation mm-hmm. wouldn't have been accessible to me. If anything that you've just asked me, I could put into play and shift or change. And those thoughts generally what in a lot of situations tend to spiral people. Because then they start reminiscing on the past and they start wondering what if, and then next thing you know, some, um, <laughs> you're about to use some colorful language, oh, that's but, some, <laughs> but somebody then, somebody finds themselves like, I'm like, let me look up my old, yeah. you know, boyfriend or girlfriend from, you know, 30 years ago. What are they up to? You know? And like, you start thinking like some, no, 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 this is the life, man. This moment is your life. Nothing, mm-hmm. nothing can change except what you shift moving forward. So let's not even, let's not even have that conversation for me. So that's a long answer to a, well, maybe what you would tell them is, Hey, enjoy the journey. (laughs) That's it. This is, this is the, this is the journey you're on. So be, be in it, be here, be now. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, All right. So Mitch, how can people find you? Like, Tell us about uh, how to find your podcast because Mitch has a podcast, by the way, and um, awesome social media and everything. How can they have more Mitch in their life? Well, uh, I do. Uh, I have a podcast called Mondays of Mitch, and it is on a higher level of le- conscious leadership. Uh, first and foremost, primarily learning how to lead yourself, mm-hmm. which everything we talked about today was about leading yourself. Uh, and then provided that's uh, in the cards for you, then how to lead other people as a result of it. Whether you're a coach, a mentor, a uh, team leader, you know, building out teams, whatever your business may be. Um, so people tap into that. It's on every major uh, podcast platform. I just, the, the one that came out today on Mondays of Mitch uh, was on intuition and it's uh, I think my 70th episode. Uh, so it gives me an outlet. It's, it's fun for me. Mm-hmm. Um, underscore life's image underscore is, uh, my Instagram. And on there, you can see when I post everything on Mondays about that stuff, you'll be able to see, I, I also lead a, a meditation Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, which I highly recommend. Can, I love it. Which, yeah. Which people can pop into called manifest mastery. 
and so they can just reach out to me at uh, underscore life's image underscore and I'm happy to connect people to that if that's something that ultimately resonates for them as well. Yeah, and I'll have all the um, links to his stuff in the description. So check that as well. Um, is, do you have any final like words for anybody? Like could, maybe um, just some final thoughts. Well, listen, I, I think it's important. The, the podcast is about stories and in and, and essence. And it's really about, you know, I heard this and I say it all the time and I, I heard this, oh God, I want to go back. It's for sure 20, it's, it's 20, it's over 20 years ago, maybe 22 years ago. And uh, a friend of my wife's, I heard her say this and when, and then the moment she said it, the moment she said, it, I'd never heard it before. It became part of me. It just was going to become part of me wherever I went. And that is this understanding that it's all story. And so whether I'm talking to a friend or I'm talking to my wife or I'm talking to my kid, the understanding that it's a story and letting the other person know it's a story is, is super important. So I'll always say the story I tell myself is fill in the blank because you're announcing it. I don't know what, if there's some truth to it and there's not, maybe it's completely made up. I don't know. Maybe there's some truth to it, but it creates a dialogue when we start owning the stories. And I um, had created a process years ago called scripting. Uh, it was my first, uh, one of my first big um, um, tools that I was teaching people. So I used to be in a former life, I was a, a sitcom writer and a, a screenwriter, romantic comedy screenwriter. And I had taken my background as a, a sitcom writer and a screenwriter, and I married it to the psychology aspect. And I created a process called scripting where couples would bring together, uh, they would agree on what's the fight that never ends between you. And I would literally, they would agree on the fight because it's the, always the fight that was always, you know, interrupted because you arrived at the restaurant and you were going to be with friends or the kids walked in the room or something happened. But it was always a to be continued story that never got resolved. And I was able to have them agree on that, give them a, a script writing software that they could write their version of that experience. And then we get together and do a table read and you get to see how eerily similar both scripts are because everybody has memorized their lines by now, right? But I would teach them through understanding that the story, these are the stories that they're telling themselves and what's behind the stories are, are their old limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. And if we could heal that and if we could work on that, then we, we, by the end of the process, I was able to bring them back, separate them out, work them individually, and then bring them back together to create a script that would come to a conclusion and a deeper understanding of who we are individually and who we are as a couple so that we're able to resolve this supposed conflict that we could stop running the stories about each other and instead create a new story about what is the fucking truth. Yes. Ooh. So these are the stories we tell ourselves and, and uh, stories is also a very powerful, great way to heal uh, provided we're ready for that next step. That was perfect. Wait till you hear the beginning. Um, my intro it's, it's bit right in line. We're aligned. Lined. <laughs> oh, deal. Um, well, thank you so much for your time today. I'm very excited for everybody uh, who follows me to get to know you as well. Um, and just grateful for you. I appreciate you and, and appreciate you inviting me on. Like I said, I'm, 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 I'm honored to be here with you and, and spend this time together. Awesome. All right, guys, that was Mitch Newman. I know that you enjoyed that episode. How could you not? Um, don't forget to check the show notes, the description, so you can go and follow Mitch's journey and um, continue to hear from him. I highly recommend it. And I will be back again soon.